many of you enjoyed our series so far? Glad to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, why don't you do me a favor and open up to the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapter 9 today in our study. Thank you, Pastor Byron. The title of today's sermon is Finding Purpose in Gospel Transformation. We're going to be focusing our study this morning in uh, verses 20 to 31. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you. You can turn to page 917. I'll read it for you. This is right after Paul's conversion. Paul has been visited by the Lord, the risen Lord. The Lord asked him, why are you persecuting me? And in that moment, in that exchange, I believe that God transformed his life. And now we're going to see a new purpose. Uh, a, a new mission, right, where, where Paul first was uh, on a track to destroy the church, to impede the, the movement. Now he's going to be on a different trajectory. So we read Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 20. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Verse 23. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through the opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Verse 28. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, and they were seeking to kill him again. That's my own little narrative. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him to Tarsus. Last verse, 31. So the church throughout all of Judea to Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. The title of today's sermon, like I said before, is Finding Purpose in Gospel Transformation. This is an interesting passage, to me at least, because where Paul once focused his entire life, dedicated his entire life to see the destruction of the church, now we see a transformation, a gospel transformation in which Paul now wants to see the church revitalized, wants to see the church, not revitalized, revitalized, wants to see the church grow and multiply. He wants to tell people about the gospel. It's almost like if, if Paul, in this moment, found a new purpose. He found the meaning of his life. Like, he, he found what he was meant to do. God used his intellect. God used his past. God used everything about him to now proclaim the gospel. 
And I wonder if you in your life have ever asked yourself, what's my purpose in life? Right? Like, have you in your life have ever asked yourself, what am I meant to do? What has God planned for me? Like, what am I supposed to do in this world? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I mean, I've asked myself that question. I still ask myself that question. What am I supposed to do? Right? Like, we often, if not everybody, ask the question, what am I supposed to do? What's my purpose in life? I can remember the time when I was in um, college. I was about to graduate. I'm going to give you, I'm going to spill the tea. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's a euphemism. The high schools and young adults use it. Spilling the tea means that I'm going to tell you details and information. So when you say I'm going to spill the tea, it means I'm going to tell you information. You're supposed to laugh when I say something like that. <laughs> there we go. We're on track. Good, good. Um, when I was in college, I, I was getting a degree in political science and philosophy. And at the time, I was working for a congressman. I wanted to be... Um, I, Anyway, I wanted to be um, one day the chief of staff to the president of the United States. I didn't want to be a politician. I just wanted to be in the background. I wanted to be like the guy who wheeled and dealed, broke a couple of kneecaps, you know, make a, you know what I mean? Like, I'm from the Bronx, so if I wasn't going to be in the mob, I was going to be in politics. Um, I rec and the funny thing is, like, I didn't even like the congressman. Um, I, didn't, I wasn't affiliated to his political party. I didn't agree with 99% of his thing, but I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride this train to see where it takes me. I don't care who it is, right? Um, like, but I, that's what I wanted to do. That, like, I thought, like, man, if I can get to DC, if I can be part of this uh, political campaign, if I can connect with these people, man, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna be somebody. I'm gonna make people do what I want them to do. And the Lord changed that around. Like he saved me and it changed my perspective on, on everything. But, but then at that moment, I had to ask myself, God, what do you want me to do? Because I know what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in DC. Now you want me to do something completely different. Like, have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever said to yourself, like, what am I meant to do in life? What's my purpose? Right? Because we all desire for a meaningful life. We all desire to provide value and worth to our jobs, to our relationships, to our church, our community. But oftentimes we're very confused about what we ought to do. And the truth is we're often confused about the fact that, that like our purpose and meaning in life doesn't necessarily mean happiness or comfort or doesn't necessarily mean success in the eyes of the world. But everyone asks the question, what is my purpose in life? And if you don't believe me, um, I want to show you some statistics. Um, this was a research done back in 2000 and 2021. There's two surveys I'm going to show you really quickly about purpose, right? What do people believe about purpose? How do you understand it? And, and the first one is 86% of all adults, this is back in 2022, um, uh, the university, uh, Arizona Christian University did a research, right? They did a survey and they surveyed all Americans, right? Not every single person, but a, a lot of people. And this is what they found. 86% of adults believe that there is a universal shared purpose for life. 
that every single person has. 86% of all people believe that there's a universal shared purpose in life, okay? So most people think that there's meaning to life. Now, in the survey, they asked the question, what is the universal common purpose or ultimate reason for living, all right? So, so if 86% of the people say there's, there's purpose to life, then what does that mean for them? And if you look at the screen, this is what they find. They find that 23% of people say, right, that the reason for living, the purpose that they have in life is to experience happiness and fulfillment. 18% say evolving into our full potential physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Then the third one is, another 18%, knowing, loving, and serving God. Only 18% people surveyed believe that the purpose in life is to know God, to love God, and to serve God. Only 18%. Then you go down, and then it gets even worse, right? Um, living a long life, living a healthy life, advancing world peace, right? Only 7% said that the purpose of life is to advance world peace, and that 7% is failing currently, right now, if they believe that. So then there's another survey that they did, right? So they surveyed with similar desires, right? Where do people put their purpose? What do they believe their purpose is? Like how they understand their purpose? And there's another survey that they did the following year, 2021. And this is, this is, uh, oh, this is the survey. How Americans define success by groups, all right? So the vast majority say that, well, the purpose of life is to be successful. So here's the breakdown of the age groups, right? It, Ages 18 to 29, 31% of people say it's personal happiness or freedom. 35% of the 30-year-olds to 49-year-olds say living a healthy, productive, and safe life. And then you go on and you see the breakdown. Notice what you, what you see. Like the, one of the, the fewer things that we see, one of the first things that we see is that God and faith are at the very bottom, right, of that. Like the vast majority believe success or some form of success is the thing that they are trying to achieve in life. Here's, a, here's another one. So they did a survey of millennials, right? Um, they didn't do one for Gen Zs, but this is millennials. This is um, anyone born between 1984 and 2022. This is where I fall. I am a millennial. You are welcome. That's a good thing. Um, this is what they surveyed about millennials. 75% of millennials are seeking to identify their purpose in life. All right, so, so now from a broader standpoint, 86% of Americans are looking for it. Now even more specifically, millennials, which is the next generation to lead our world, to lead our society, to lead our country. 75% of them say that they're seeking to find their purpose in life. Now, they asked a specific question to these millennials. And they said, all right, so if you're looking for purpose, what, what do you value? And one of the things they said, well, we value sacrifice. Okay, so in the survey they said, what are, you, what are you willing to sacrifice your life with? Like, what are you willing to die for? What is the thing that you're gonna put your life on the line? And this is what they said. 53% said family members. 41% said freedom. 32% said friends. Only 29% religious faith. And then 26% said your country, and 24% said the most cherished possession. 
okay. Seems a little dark. I'm not here to depress you. It's going to be okay. And another survey that they said, all right, so, okay, you're, these are the things that you value in life. Um, what, what, what do you, where do you find your satisfaction? Where, do, where in the places in your life do you, do you find most content with? And, and this is what they found. Overall, their satisfaction for their life is, as you see it on the screen, like 29%, they said they're very satisfied with their life overall. With their personal health, 30%. Friendships, 35%. Spiritual life, that's where I want us to focus on. Spiritual life. Only 31% that they're very satisfied with their spiritual life. 34% say somewhat satisfied. 19% only say not too satisfied. And 6% say they're not satisfied at all. Why, why am I sharing you these statistics? Everyone has purpose. In fact, everybody wants purpose. But what we see here in the surveys is that most people are finding their purpose in everything else other than the gospel. That's a sad statement to say, but it also should be encouraging to us because it just means that we have a lot of work to do. Think about it, that if you and I have the hope of the gospel, if you and I have the power of the gospel if the spirit abides in us and we know that all people who come to Jesus are fully satisfied in him and we have the hope of the world, then the only thing we have to do is share it with them. Because if they're looking for it everywhere else, they're not going to be satisfied. If they're looking for it in relationships, I'm trust, trust me, like that's what, what happens, right? We, we find value and worth and purpose in our relationships and our family, our friends, our title, our career path, our success, how much money we make. Like we find, we find value in, in cultural norms and new movements. Like this is cool, so I'm gonna identify as this. Like none of those things satisfy, but what we do know that the gospel satisfies. So my question for you this morning is, what's your purpose? What has God called you to do? What is the Lord asking you to do? Right? We look at the statistic and say that everyone's looking for purpose. Have you found your purpose? Have you found what God has called you to do? And if the answer is no, if you're sitting there or watching online and saying, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm meant to do. I want you to be encouraged by this passage. I want you to be encouraged by the person who persecuted the church, the person who murdered people and arrested them and find great purpose in the gospel. When we read Acts chapter 9, when we read the conversion of Paul, we are encouraged that everyone has purpose. Everyone has value. Even the worst of sinners have purpose and value. What we see in this passage is not Paul's long life pursuit of happiness and contentment, right? Like when we read this, it wasn't like, oh, Paul was great and awesome and everybody loved him and he was part of a life group that really encouraged them and like they went on a retreat and they loved each other. No, that's not what happened. What does it say? He went to preach the gospel and they wanted to kill him. Right, like, like think about that. 
Paul found his purpose in the gospel. Have you found your purpose in, your gospel, in the gospel? Have you found the meaning of your life in the gospel? And if the answer is no, then we have to do a lot of reflecting. And that's okay. Right? That's okay because we serve a gracious God, a loving God, who will extend grace to us to help us find what we're meant to do in life. And we'll see that in this passage. When you look down to verse 20, verse 20 says something quite interesting. He says, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. What did he do? As soon as Paul converted, as soon as he believed, he preached the message in synagogues. It was immediately. Why? Because his life was transformed. When we come to faith in Jesus, when our life is transformed by the gospel, our purpose and our identity is found in the person of Jesus. So if you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for identity, this is how you do it. You find it in the person of Jesus. And I know that's easy to say, because you're like, what does that even mean to find it in Jesus? Well, I'm going to show you. There, there, there are three things. There are three things that will shape our purpose. Right? So if I say, right, your, your value, your worth is found in Jesus, your purpose and the meaning of life is found in Jesus, we're going to look at this passage to see how he found that purpose, how his purpose was shaped, right? If his purpose was to proclaim the gospel, to tell the truth of the gospel, we're going to find out how he did that. And there's three ways. I'm going to give it to you right away. The three, the three things that help shape our purpose, right? Three things that help us understand our purpose. And the first one is what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, and what we believe about others. Right? So the, the three things are what shapes our purpose is what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about others. The first one, what we believe about God. If you look at verses 20, 22, and 28, what does Paul believe in? The Bible says he believes in the Son of God. Saul preaches, who is Paul, fearlessly in the name of Jesus. In verse 22, he proves that Jesus is the Christ. And in verse 28, he boldly proclaims the name of the Lord. How was his purpose shaped? His purpose was shaped about what he believed about God. And what we see in this passage is he believed that Jesus is God. He believed that Jesus is the son of God. He believed that Jesus is the only way to have fellowship with the father. The person who saw persecuted is now the person that he believed in. The person that he sought to destroy and kill was the person now that he would desire to see all people believe in what helps shape Paul's purpose, what helps shape our purpose is what we believe about God. Jesus is our firm foundation. And what we believe about him is gonna dictate the life that we lead. If we don't believe, about, believe in God, if we don't believe in Jesus, then what we're going to do is find our purpose and our identity in other people and other things. What we see in this passage is that Paul's faith in Jesus led him to proclaim the name of Jesus. What we also see from Paul's faith in Jesus, his belief in Jesus are three things. 
Three things. Because he had a firm foundation in Christ. Because his purpose was to proclaim the gospel. And his purpose was informed about what he believed. His doctrinal belief about Jesus. Paul was able to be strong. That's what the passage says. In his faith. He was able to persevere. If you look at this passage, there are two times in which Paul is persecuted for his faith. I mean, think about this. If this was a lie, I mean, this would be a terrible life to live. Imagine that, right? That if this was a lie, this would be a terrible life to live, that you would be be sought after. You would be persecuted for your life to believe in Jesus. And what we see is that our faith in Jesus, Paul's faith in Jesus, what he believed about God gave him strength to proclaim the gospel and gave him perseverance, perseverance in the obstacles in ministry. And what we also see is that it gave him boldness. The second thing, the second way our purpose is shaped, the second way Paul's purpose was shaped to proclaim the gospel is what he believed about ourselves, what he believed about himself. What did Paul believe about himself? What do we believe about ourselves? Paul in Galatians chapter 1 testifies of his conversion. If you want to read Paul's account of the way he comes to Christ, you read Galatians chapter 1. Luke's account is found in the book of Acts. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read you Galatians chapter 15. And this is what Paul says about himself. This is what he says about his conversion to Jesus um, in in, in, in Acts. I'll start at verse 13 in Galatians For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he had set me apart before I was born and called me by grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. What does Paul believe about himself? What do we ought to believe about our self? He says it in Galatians chapter 1 verse 15. We are set apart and called by his grace. When we find purpose in Jesus Christ, believing that he is the son of God, that informs us about what we believe about ourselves. And what it tells us is that we are set apart. We are called by grace. That God before the foundations of the earth called us to be his children. And when we believe that, then we are reminded that we are no longer slaves to sin. That we are no longer bound to sin and death. That God victoriously saved us on the cross so that he can set us apart to be missionaries and messengers of the gospel. That's who we are. We are overcomers. We're victorious. Not because of what we've accomplished. Not because of our title not because of our finances, not because of what we believe about ourselves, but what he says about ourselves. That's who we are. We are set apart. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We have been called out by God to do his work. Think about that. Like God called you. He called you to be instruments and vessels of the gospel. He called you to be the instruments and vessels in our community, in our church. 
Do you know what that means? Do you really know what that means? It means that you're special in his sight. To be said about us that we are separate from the rest of the world and that we are his children, that he protects us, he leads us, he guides us, he empowers us. I mean, that says something about him. We are special to him. And if we believe that about ourselves, if we can believe that we are set apart, called by his grace, that what God has given to us is a free gift, it would encourage us, it would encourage us to be the messengers and herald of the gospel. It would encourage us during dark times. It would encourage us during difficult times. It would encourage other people to see that those people are different. They don't, they don't mourn the same way. They don't grieve the same way. Like they have a hope that's founded in Jesus. Like they're not overwhelmed by life's problems the way the, the world does, right? Like when they're faced with obstacles and then problems, like there's something different about the way they go about those things. Why? Because they're separate, called out called by his grace. While the world is overwhelmed by, the, by war, while the world is overwhelmed by a pandemic, you and I, set apart, called by his grace, put our faith, not in a government, not in a military, not in a doctor, not in a president, we put our faith in the king of kings, who what? called us out. But, but do you believe that? Do you really believe that about yourself? That you are special in God's sight? That you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light? Or do you believe a different lie? That you're not valuable or worth something? That you're not precious in his sight? That's not true. That's a lie. We see this here because remember what happens to Paul. Paul, at his conversion, when he wants to proclaim at the synagogue, what do they say about him? Isn't this the guy who killed us? Isn't, the guy, is this, isn't this the guy who arrested us? No, that's not who he is. That's who he was. Why? Because he was set apart, called by grace made right before God because he was set apart, because he was called by grace, just like you and I. We have the power. We have the power in the spirit to do his will, to find purpose in this world, to see the gospel advance. Oftentimes, though, when we believe this truth, which it is true that we are said about called by his grace. Sometimes, oftentimes, when we believe this, we believe that, that somehow, some way in our Christianity, we're saved from suffering. I think that's, that's the prosperity gospel, right? That somehow, some way, when you're a Christian, if you name it and claim it, somehow you're exempt from all the suffering in the world and you're exempt from all the problems in the world and, and that, that much of the suffering that you experience in life is because of sin or your past. That's not true, right? When we have meaning and purpose, does it mean necessarily that God exempts us from the problems and the obstacles and the fights? Because that's not true of the apostles. That's not true of the disciples. Oftentimes, Oftentimes, the default position of every Christian should be suffering. 
right? Like, we have to believe that, that our default position in life is to suffer. Maybe not all the time, but often we, we suffer. Just like the apostles did. Just like Jesus did. This is what 1 Peter 4 says. It reminds us about this. Just because we're set apart, called by grace, and just because we're Christians doesn't mean that somehow, somewhere we're exempt from life's problems. Because 1 Peter 4 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. The promise that Peter tells us, the promise that we see in the life of Paul is that we're not exempt for suffering. Life is gonna be hard. It's gonna be difficult. But our hope is not in the solution in that present moment. Our hope is in the power of Christ. Our hope is in the future hope. Our hope is that we get through the suffering. We get through the pain. We get through the obstacles. And that's a tough idea to accept. Because oftentimes the memories that are most vivid in our lives are the ones with deep pain, sorrow, and hurt. But the encouragement this morning that if we believe that we're set apart, if we believe that we're called by his grace, then surely God in his grace and mercy will see us through because he's the one that called us out. The third way our purpose is shaped the third way we see our purpose come together is about what we believe about others. What did Paul believe about the people in the synagogue? What did Paul believe about the Gentiles in his ministry? He believed that people need to understand a gospel-centered truth. And if this is not true, then it is true now, right? That so often our churches and movements believe a different gospel that, that, than what we believe in. But what we believe about others shapes our purpose. If we believe that people are sinful, if we believe that the world is broken, if we believe that people need to hear the gospel message of truth, then it is our responsibility to go out and declare, open our mouths up to tell people about the hope in Jesus. What we see in Colossians 1.28 is what Paul tells us, his motivation of why he ministered to the Gentiles, his motivation of why he went to the synagogues, his motivation of why he firmly believed in the gospel is because they needed to hear it. What Paul wanted to see in the church, what he wanted to see people is come to Jesus. And this is what he says in Colossians 1:28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that may that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is what Paul's motivation in ministry, to see every single person come to know the gospel truth so that they, when they stand before a living God, they are accepted, they are redeemed, they are made righteous. If we believe that people don't need to hear the gospel truth, if we believe that the world is okay, if we believe that somehow, some way, the world's problems and solutions are gonna take care of themselves, then we've believed a lie. But if we believe that the gospel has power, 
If we believe that people need hope, if we believe that in our classrooms, in our workspace, if in our workplaces, in our churches, in our community, if people need to hear the gospel truth, then it is our responsibility to tell them about it. You want to find purpose and meaning in life? Look at Paul's example. Look how he wanted to see the gospel advance. Look at his desire to be willing to suffer for the gospel, which was a fulfillment of the prophecy that was said about him, right? That Jesus said to Ananias, he's going to learn how to suffer for me. And we see this in this passage. Why? Because what he believed about himself set apart, what he believed about the world, that they need to hear the truth, led him on a path to proclaim and be a messenger of the gospel. So what's the result? What's the result of finding your purpose in life? What's the result of, of Paul when he finds his purpose in life? It's stability and momentum. Look at verse 31. 31 says, in Acts chapter 9, I gotta get there because I have somehow switched the page. It says that the church of Jesus Christ, right, grew numerically and grew in the fear of the Lord. Think about that. That the churches in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were being built up. You want to find purpose and meaning in life? This is the result. The result is that not only you benefit, but the church benefits. The world benefits. Because you have found what God has called you to do. My question for you this morning is, have you found your purpose in life? What has God called you to do? Surely it's not just to come to church on a Sunday morning and, and, and sing beautiful songs, learn an awesome song, and listen to an okay sermon, and then leave and never be changed. It was okay. Four out of ten. We'll see next week. Right, like, surely it can't be it. Like, surely, like, this is not the, the, like, climax of your entire life. It's just Sunday morning and going to job for the week for, to a nine to five. Like, surely there's something more to it. What's your purpose? Like, do you want to see your life, at the end of your life, look back and say, man, I could have done more? Do you want to say that? Do you really want to say, like, at the end of your life, I wish I could have done more? If only I had better, if I was healthier or younger, I would have done more for the gospel. Or do you want to look back in your life and say, man, I was exhausted. I gave it all. I can't do no more. I can't move anymore. Like, that's what I want my life to be. The world is going to find their identity and purpose in politics. They're going to find their identity and purpose in movements and cultural norms, celebrities, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Let them have it. They can have it all. They can have the wealth. They can have the power. They can have the influence in the world. Because one day that's going to go away. But what I want, what you should want is to see the gospel spread out all places to all people all the time. And when we, and when we breathe our last breath, we can say, man, I fought a good fight. When we breathe our last breath, all of hell, every demon, even Satan, is rejoicing 
as the clock winds down, watching you take your last breath because you're no longer in the fight. That's what I want my life to be. Where I wanted to find power and influence in politics, now I want to find influence in the world for the gospel. Not so that I can say, hey, this is what I did. So that I can say, I've done it all. Take me home. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm ready to get out of here. Like, take me home. I did what you asked me to do. I got nothing left. That's what I want my life to be. Is that what, you're, you, what you want your life to be? Do you want to find purpose? Why don't you take a minute right now as the band comes up to play? Why don't you take a minute and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? What am I meant to do for you? Not for, not for me, but for you. Is it to serve in the church? To get involved? To be part of a life group? What is it? God, we need you. God, we want to serve you. We want to honor you. We want to lift up your name. And Lord, we don't know how to do that. Would you show us how to do that? Would you show us what you've called us to do? You did it for Paul. You can do it for me. You can do it for us. God, show us. Lead us and guide us. We ask this in the name of your son Jesus and the people of God say. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.